Hello and thank you for tuning in to the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast. This is Kyle Kensing with part two of our two-part Florida State-Oklahoma preview. Joining us from UnconqueredKnowles.com is going to be Adam Tolliver. Uh, you can check him out at UnconqueredKnowles.com, part of the Blog UN network, and also out on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Prime Discussion. Uh, we're going to get a breakdown of how Florida State uh, stacks up with Oklahoma. Last year, the Sooners were able to get the better of uh, FSU as it was going through a transitional period, but this time around, more acclimated with Jimbo Fisher and also quite accustomed with this uh, Oklahoma team, and uh, so that's going to be big to see. Uh, this is actually only the second time a number one team has ever come into Doak Campbell Stadium. Last time was November of 1996, and FSU handled Florida in that game, so uh, a big win for them in that one. And uh, they're going to try to have history repeat itself. Uh, that's actually FSU's only win over a number one team in program history. So going to be interesting to see how that one turns out. We'll get Adam's thoughts and uh, just find out what the Florida State point of view is coming into this big game. So sit back, relax, enjoy Adam Tolliver of UnconqueredKnowles.com. All right, and welcome back. And we're with Adam Tolliver from UnconqueredKnowles.com and twitter.com slash prime discussion and this is part two of our florida state oklahoma breakdown getting the fsu perspective on saturday's big game and uh so adam first of all what's just the general thought uh jumping into this matchup with oklahoma how the uh, seminoles and the sooners uh, stack up with one another um i think it's safe to say that the sooners are ahead of the seminoles as far as maturation and overall team makeup go but Talent-wise, it's it's difficult to really claim um, an overall overall huge gap between the two teams just because Florida State has done a great job of stockpiling talent over the past few years. And, and now that that defense has matured within the scheme, um, people think that the matchup is going to be a lot, a lot better, and I tend to agree. Now, when you talk about the matchup being a lot better, obviously some allusions to last uh, last September and the uh, Oklahoma win in Norman, pretty sizable, and uh, Landry Jones was able to have some success against the Seminole secondary. So aside from having that extra year to get more accustomed to, to their scheme and just that year of maturation, what else do you think has sort of helped Florida State in preparing for Landry Jones in that high-tempo uh, Sooner offense? Well, it's difficult to to duplicate what Oklahoma does in any setting. Um, I don't think it, that it was an accident. The Florida State's first two teams were in that kind of spread, hurry up type of mold. And obviously uh, both teams are, are, are nearly the level of Oklahoma, but that helps a little. Florida State has done a bit on their own as far as some personnel moves, like taking former five-star cornerback LaMarcus Joyner and moving him to safety. Um, that's going to make that defense coverage-wise a lot more dynamic, being that um, Joyner is a very unique athlete. He's small at only 5'8", but he packs a ridiculous punch. He hits like a linebacker, and um, he has ridiculously long arms also. But he's able to cover ground and cover in space one-on-one -on -one like, like a cornerback can playing at that safety position, and he just allows that, that defense to be a lot more flexible than it was a year ago. 
And with the talent that Jimbo Fisher has been able to bring in in a relatively short matter of time, uh, obviously his hallmark is being that of a, uh, a bit of a recruiting guru. How are you seeing that sort of come together and, uh, and sort of knit together with the group that he uh, oversees now, their upperclassmen that were brought in at the end of Bobby Bowden's tenure? Uh, the biggest change would be size. Uh, this team in 2009, there was not a single player on the roster that was over 300 pounds. Uh, the biggest guy was exactly 299 pounds uh, listed on the official Seminole roster. Uh, this season, going into the season, they had 14. So um, across the board, they've gotten a lot bigger, a lot more athletic. These aren't big, slow, lumbering guys. They've really beefed up and addressed issues along the line of scrimmage, which is obviously where where a lot of games are won and lost. And uh, and the defense in general is, is a lot more dynamic, and that's the side of the ball that that Jimbo Fisher openly admits he tries to focus on the most because as as important as it is to have a great great offense, the, the old saying goes, defense wins championships. And so he's really focused on bringing in dynamic playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. And um, again, it's it's really it really can't be said enough how how much being in the second year of Mark Stoops defensive scheme is going to help as opposed to the first year. And then mentioning Mark Stoops, uh, interesting little dynamic with him taking on his brother Bob. Now last year, how do you feel Bob maybe had a leg up sort of knowing what his brother was going to run? Do you feel like that came into play at all? And how does FSU address that this time around? I think I think it came into play to a degree. But I, I think in general, the concepts and and schemes that that Stoops run aren't necessarily flawed to the point where they ex- they were exploited by Bob. I think where Bob had the upper hand was knowing that FSU's defense was not ready. So he knew that because of the scheme, they wouldn't be uh, mature and focused enough to deal with that relentless back-to-back attack of that hurry-up offense and. Uh, that was really the biggest the biggest problem is that FSU barely knew how or where to line up. They had no time to regroup, no time to gather their thoughts, and it was just a, a relentless onslaught of attack. And I think that was the biggest advantage. Now, this Oklahoma team, obviously there's a lot of buzz about Landry Jones and what he's able to do, but then Ryan Broyles is, is looked upon as one of the top receivers, uh, if not top five, then, then maybe up there with Justin Blackman in terms of top two. Uh, in all of college football. How do you anticipate Mark Stoops attacking Ryan Broyles? Are we going to see some double teams on him, or are they going to maybe try to zone up a little bit more and spread out the defense as opposed to just focusing in on that one facet? I think it's going to be a a combination of of zone and man for most of the day. Um, I expect to see the 4-2-5 scheme um, that allows FSU to put five defensive backs on the field just to deal with the OU receivers in general. And, and like you said, Broyles is definitely, he's a, he's a very complete receiver, has excellent body control, speed, and athleticism, um, makes amazing catches. Uh, so he's definitely a threat. And in that in that four two five scenario, basically Florida State will be going with 
two safeties that are former cornerbacks in LaMarcus Joyner and sophomore Terrence Brooks. Both are very dynamic athletes, and and they're hoping that that will will help in kind of slowing down the, that OU receiving core. So it sounds like a little bit they, they've got the size up front now with the recruits that Fisher's brought in that you mentioned, and maybe a little bit more speed on the back end as well? Well, speed speed was never going to be the issue with with Florida State just because of their location. I mean, it's, you know, the defensive backs really come a dime a dozen uh, down in Florida. Um, you just go down to South, South Florida and, and take your pick, basically. But what what they're really focusing on is getting more players that are more versatile and able to flex in and out of different positions so you might have a guy like LaMarcus Joyner who can uh, flex down in the nickel and and guard someone one-on-one if necessary but he's also capable and they do the same with a lot of their DBs because while LaMarcus Joyner is a safety who's 5'8 their fourth string cornerback Avis Comick is 6'4 so um, a lot of times you'll you'll look at the FSU roster and you'll look at a guy's size and and it might confuse you as to why he's lined up where he is. But because of Stoops' zone scheme, he kind of likes to have those those tall corners that can kind of deceive in coverage and, and make it difficult for for those passing lanes to be open. And then offensively, uh, obviously Landry Jones uh, on one side, but EJ Manuel uh, getting his first crack at a number one team. Uh, he's played in some big games before with two bowl wins to his credit. But this being his team now, it's not him filling in for Christian Ponder. How can EJ leave his mark on this game, and how can he leave his mark on perhaps even seminal history uh, this Saturday? EJ has a reputation for being uh, very cool under pressure. He has a reputation for having a short memory. Unfortunately, he he does have a tendency, while he is, generally speaking, a very good decision maker, he can make one, why did he just throw that type of play? Every every game, it seems, he makes one throw and everybody's just like, are you serious? Hmm. But uh, <laughs> EJ, basically, to leave his mark, all he has to do is play within himself and play within what the offense is trying to do. I think he's going to be run a lot, which is, you know, um, always, always exciting to see a quarterback who can run, especially one that's 6'5", 245 pounds. Something like that isn't uh, seen very often. So um, I think people, people will be impressed with the big arm and Like I was saying, uh, people are going to be excited and impressed by EJ's big arm and his athleticism. Uh, mm. But I think uh, he's he's absolutely at his best um, when when the light is the brightest. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he plays this game, uh, considering the fact that the entire game is a big deal. Um, so it's it's going going into it from snap one. It's going to be a high pressure situation and so as long as he limits his mistakes he's he's going to have his coming out party on the national scene and people are going to uh start to respect his name a little bit more and what sort of dynamic does he bring with his mobility that oklahoma might struggle with a little bit last season they're able to kind of bottle up the running game 
uh, with Christian Ponder playing, but but how does he kind of change that look that Oklahoma has to prepare for? Well, um, Manuel is better uh, at running the option because he does a better job of recognizing uh, the pitch. And so he recognizes the pitch and he executes it executes it very well because it gets the ball out of there at the last possible second. Um, he's also very good at uh, sometimes when when Christian would take off to run, he he would abandon the possibility of making a play downfield. Usually, EJ looks to buy time, keeping his keeping his eyes downfield before he before he makes that run. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how Oklahoma responds to the option and bootlegs because they've struggled in the past with the option. And when you talk about them struggling in the past with the option, uh, obviously Nebraska last season, a team maybe not on Oklahoma's caliber, was able to force a real nip-tuck game in the Big 12 championship. With that in mind, do you anticipate seeing, what what percentage of, of run do you anticipate seeing from Florida State? Are they really going to try to control the ball run maybe 70% of the time, or do you think it's going to be a little bit more balanced than that? I think in general, Jimbo Fisher is going to try to keep things balanced because um, I think Florida State believes in their receiving court. Last season, this group wasn't wasn't ready for that Oklahoma game, but this season it's a bit of a different story. Uh, they're they're more dynamic across the board, and they have some guys who can really make plays in space. And I think they're also expecting that Oklahoma probably won't respect those receivers very much. And so there's going to be some one-on-one matchups and opportunities. Um, EJ is a bit more likely to take shots downfield than Christian Ponder was. So if there's a one-on-one situation, I would expect to see him take shots at Rodney Smith, uh, the six foot five receiver deep early. So um, that would be something to look out for in general throughout the game, unless Florida state is able to, to jump out to a lead. And by lead, I mean like a two-score type of lead, which I'm, you know, a lot of people don't expect. That's the only way I would see this game getting to a, a heavy, heavy run type of game. Now, in doing some research for this game, I noticed that in FSU's history, they've only played six number one teams, one of them being Oklahoma back in the uh, 2001 BCS championship game. And only once has the number one team ever been in Dope Campbell Stadium, and that's the one win that FSU has over a number one team against Florida. With a number one team coming in for the first time in 15 years, what sort of atmosphere are you expecting the fans to to bring, and what sort of mentality do you think the team takes on? Is that something that maybe weighs on their mind a little bit? It's going to be a pretty epic atmosphere. Um, I think the team is well aware of the the gravity of the situation and the and the the weight that people are putting on this game, I think that um, it's going to be similar to atmospheres that they played in. Fortunately, last season, FSU was able to really pack the house for the UF game, and I think this will be close to that, but amped up a little bit, a little bit more. Um, I think they're going to respond to it well because they they're typically a very high energy. Um, a lot of a lot of young players on this team are, are extremely high en- energy, and you can tell that they feed off the crowd quite a bit. This crowd is going to be um, one of the rowdiest at Doe Campbell in a, in a long time. And with this being the real biggie on their schedule, uh, granted, there's some you know 
other challenges coming up, the rivalry game with Florida, uh, ACC championship game potentially. If they get this one, what do you think is the only thing standing in their way? Not only thing, but what is the biggest hurdle they would have to face in order to get to that BCS championship? Well, Clemson is a Clemson is a very talented team, and they have to bounce back from this game against Oklahoma. Uh, whether they win or not, it's going to be difficult to get that that energy and intensity level back up for a second week in a row, especially on the road in a place like Death Valley. Uh, that's a it's a very difficult place to play in Clemson. Although they're breaking in a new offense, they are um, they are not lacking for playmakers on either side of the ball, and so. That's going to be a, a very tough challenge. And um, you have to kind of still be in wait-and-see mode with uh, University of Florida later in the season just because they haven't really played anyone yet, but they've looked pretty good. So um, it's it's going to – that's also a team that has some depth issues, though. So playing them at the end of the year, it could, it could look like a different team. So we'll see how that goes. But um, – in general, every now and then there's a, a bit of a trap game, but the ACC actually looks to be a little weaker than, than normal this season. So um, I think most people would be expecting for Florida State to to go ahead and, and run the table if they can beat Oklahoma on Saturday. And if they do get that win, what do you think the ceiling is for them uh, right away? Or are they able to leapfrog a couple of teams? Or are they going to have to maybe wait their turn? And can you see them maybe getting into that number one spot as the season goes on? Should they get this W? I can see number three or number two, but it's difficult for me to imagine that um, that the polls would favor them over Alabama right now. Um, so I think I think if Florida State goes ahead and has business and and wins out completely, they'll have their opportunity, which I think is is what most of the fans and most certainly Coach Fisher and the team care about most. So um, I don't think that they'll concern themselves too much with what the polls look like after this weekend because they are treating this the way they should like one game and it isn't going to deter the entire season. Now if they fall on Saturday but then manage to run the table the rest of the way, including an ACC championship, are you anticipating a situation where maybe they'll be able to squeeze into that BCS title game with one loss? I mean, granted, a lot can unfurl. Are, are you kind of seeing a crazy season like we saw maybe in 07 or something like the last few years where we've had a couple of undefeateds playing for the title? I don't think on merit alone Florida State would make it with one loss, but if if some of these other teams manage to be one or two lost teams, then they would have as good an argument as any um, depending on how closely or how well they play Oklahoma in a loss. So if if you look up at the end of the season and Florida State lost a close game to Oklahoma but went on to run the table and beat their, their tough out-of-conference opponent UF on the road in the swamp and then went on to win the ACC championship against the a pretty good Virginia Tech team. I think they'd have as good an argument as any other one-loss team if if that that top Alabama have managed to drop one along the way. Now, so far, this would be a real shot for Jimbo Fisher to get a marquee win. Now, granted, last year they got to the ACC title game, beat a pretty good South Carolina team in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. 
But with this being an opportunity to really put his stamp on the program with just its potential second win over a number one ever, uh, that's sort of a big thing for, for me that I'm going to be following. So far, though, it seems like his big hallmark has been those recruits that we were talking about earlier. What do you think has made Jimbo Fisher so successful? And what's it going to take to get him back to that level? I know growing up as a, as a kid of the 90s, Florida State was just, they were college football. What's it going to take for him to get them back to that level? I think, I think it's difficult to imagine uh, that particular type of dominance again, but just being in the conversation right now and it being real-life legitimate conversations about Florida State and national titles and about Florida State being a legitimate top-five team. Um, playing Oklahoma this weekend is a test for for FSU to show the rest of the nation where they stand. And I think at this point, the trajectory of the program is it's on an upward trend. And because that's because of Jimbo Fisher's recruiting and because of the program he's implementing. And you're, you're able to see players actually progress from year to year, which is something that was lost in the last few years of the Bowden era. So, as of right now, I think whatever Coach Fisher has been doing is what he needs to keep doing, and the results on the field are going are going to come. And a lot of people think that starts on Saturday night. Whether whether Florida State wins or not, I think they're going to have an opportunity to show that they can match up well with the number one team in the country. Adam, I think that uh, might be a pretty good note to, to close out on, but I uh, want to get your final thoughts as far as maybe a prediction for this game and uh, and just where you feel Florida State goes from here uh, after after Saturday. I think Florida State has some tricks up their sleeve. I think um, watching and listening to Jimbo Fisher over the last couple of weeks, he, he has this really smug demeanor about him, and maybe <laughs> that's just the homer in me, but... It reminds me a lot of the way he he was talking this this quiet confidence about him that he had before the Miami game last year and the UF game uh, also. So I'm thinking that Florida State is going to win in a shocking way and, and win by 13 points. I'm going 34 for Florida State and 21 for Oklahoma. I like it. Bold prediction. Uh, final note, uh, where can uh, fans check out your work? You can find me on unconqueredknowles.com and follow me on Twitter at Prime Discussion. And I've been checking out unconqueredknowles.com since it launched. Uh, actually, a really good article by you about the uh, the impact of freshmen uh, this week. I really enjoyed so I highly recommend that site. And uh, you guys are doing a little bit more than just, uh, just football over there. Yeah, we're definitely trying to cover the full gambit of, of FSU athletics. We go as far as to try to track and keep updates on uh, former FSU athletes that are in the pros. Uh, we follow the basketball team, the baseball team, keep up with uh, FSU history and try to update people, um, kind of educate people on the past games of the program and how they changed the history and how they've impacted um, the trajectory of the program. So that's definitely something that, that I would encourage people to check out. We'd appreciate the traffic. And with the uh, the history of Florida State, are you going to be dropping any notes on that uh, last defeat of, uh, of number one Florida back in '96? We actually we actually do have one on that coming up very soon. 
Excellent. I like it. Well, thank you again, Adam, for uh, taking this time to chat with us. Uh, you've been listening to the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast with Adam Tolliver from UnconqueredNolds.com and on Twitter, Prime Discussion. And looking forward to a great game, Florida State and Oklahoma.